0: A doctor, a teacher, a clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. A pizza we have tonight. I, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. Who is the most disturbing predator? Who is the most dangerous predator? These are questions I get all the time. In our last episode, we examined Chuck Harding, Hard Chuck One. And I would argue that he posed an incredible danger and has for much of his life He was 65 years old when he walked into our investigation in Riverside, California. He had been in a religious order, a Catholic Brotherhood of Don Bosco. He taught kids and he had access to handicapped kids along the way. He also, based on the evidence that we found and by his own admission, was a true believer in pedophilia sexual relationships between adults and boys. And so that makes him a grave danger in that respect. But there's another profile of a predator. One of a person you could pass by almost every day. A person who you could see, in this case, at a courthouse, going about your business, uh, handling a civil matter, or a parking ticket. And I would argue that in some ways, this second category, the guy who doesn't stick out of a crowd, the guy who could be standing next to you at the dry cleaners or the drugstore on a Saturday morning, this is the guy who could potentially pose the most danger. Chuck Harding was a bad guy, but he put it right out there. You know, he told a 13-year-old boy or a decoy who said he was 13 that, you know, he was into the grandpa-grandson sex routine. You know, that's horrible. There's a guy who should be locked up forever. But this other category, the human being who you see every day, who doesn't stick out of the crowd, who is normal looking, that's just as dangerous. And so it is that Thomas Shin, Shinster 007, is the focus of this episode of Predators I've Caught. Thomas Shin was 36 years old when he surfaced in our investigation in Manilocan, New Jersey. Now, Manilocan, if you'll remember, is a beautiful community on the Jersey Shore. We had rented a big home right on the beach, had been in the same family for generations. And our onside decoy, Casey, actually came with the deal. You may know this already. Casey has been on the show here with me on the podcast. But when we were signing the lease and talking to the owner of the home, one of the owners of the home, my producer, Lynn Keller, asked, do you know anyone who is 19, 20 or 21 years old who looks much younger and who has the ability, perhaps a theater student, to work as an on-site decoy for us? And the man said, yeah, I do. And Lynn said, who is that? And he said, well, my daughter, Casey. And so it began, and she was a great decoy. She worked uh, with us on a couple of different investigations and and became somewhat of a TCAP celebrity in her own right. And for good reason. Here we are in this beautiful home on the beach in Manilocan, the Jersey Shore. And over the course of three days, 28 men surfaced in our investigation trying to meet a 12, 13, or 14-year-old boy or girl. A lot of colorful characters who I'm sure you remember, but one stands out, and you don't hear a lot about him in the TCAP community, but he always fascinated me. And this is Thomas Shipp. He was 36 years old at the time. He worked in a courthouse in New Jersey. He was an administrator, which is a decent job. His screen name was Shinster 007. And he was chatting with a girl, a decoy, who made it very clear that she was only 12 years old. And this decoy obviously worked with Perverted Justice, who we worked with at the time. We used them as decoys in our investigations. And this particular Perverted Justice volunteer who goes by the name Gloria Jean, or at least did at the time, Put some notes in the profile of Thomas Shin that I think are worth sharing with you because it it sort of, to me, hits it right on the head. Here's what she says. I decided to switch things up for the Dateline New Jersey sting. I don't normally portray a 12-year-old child, even for me, a seasoned decoy. 12 is just too young. It's more disturbing to me personally. I have a niece the same age and I just have a hard time going there. But going there, she did. Thomas Shin of Princeton, New Jersey, took the bait. He portrayed himself as a 22-year-old young man. Now remember, Shin is actually 36, and this is important, and I'll get into it later because it goes to the mind of a predator, this particular kind of predator. Gloria Jean goes on, which could certainly be bad enough considering my decoy age, right? She says, you know, 22 is bad enough, but saying you're 22 and you're really 36, that says something else about a guy. But in reality, as is often the case, he was actually 36, as we mentioned. He flirted and played coy with my 12-year-old persona. He wasn't overtly disgusting and sexual, which might have scared off a 12-year-old girl. This goes to the grooming that I always talk about. These guys are very smooth. And the guy who's a stranger on a Wednesday maybe isn't by a Friday when he tries to show up. She goes on. Instead, he was sweet and funny and silly. Beating a sweet, innocent girl, he even showed up to the Dateline bust house bearing a load of gifts that would make any 12-year-old girl swoon. And I'll get to those gifts in just a minute here. He even, Shinster007 does, gets into a, a joke. He tells a joke to this girl, Valerie Makes Nice 95. That's her screen name that would appeal to a 12-year-old girl. And let me read to you from the transcripts, the exact transcripts that were provided by perverted justice. Shinster007 says, I got a joke for you. Valerie makes nice 95 says, "K. What's black when you buy it, becomes red when you use it, and turns white when you have to throw it out?" The decoy says, "I don't know, what?" Charcoal. LOL. That's good. Thanks. I got a corny joke. He goes on, right? So he knows that he's got the attention of a 12-year-old girl, or he thinks he does, and he's going to tell another joke. This is the grooming I always talk about. This is the attempt to appeal to a young person who has no sexual experience, who perhaps is lonely, isn't getting a lot of attention, and is vulnerable and susceptible to a predator like Thomas Shinn. He goes on. What type of room has no walls, floor, or ceiling? The girl says, um, I don't know. Shinster 007, a mushroom. Those aren't jokes. Those are riddles. Come on. And so while a guy like Chuck Harding is disturbing for the graphic brutality of his attempt to have sex with a boy, I would argue that Thomas Shin is equally as disturbing because he tries to be disarming. I mean, who says that they're 22 when they're 36? That's still illegal, by the way, when you're trying to meet a 12-year-old girl. There's no difference in the law. You don't go to prison longer if you're 36 versus 22. But in his mind, and again, I'm not a therapist. I just play one on TV because I've interviewed 400 of these guys. In his mind, he thinks it's gonna lower one of the barriers that exist in our society between adults and children. And they exist for good reason, for their protection. But he's gonna try and get through that boundary. The chat is alternatively sweet and seductive. And he initiates the idea of some sort of romantic relationship. But first he talks about all kinds of things that he's done going to college, thinking of going to law school. Again, he works in a New Jersey court system as an administrator. That's a decent job. And this becomes important later, and I'll get to it. The girl talks about dogs and having pets. And he goes on about that for a while. And then she again confirms her age. Shinster007 says, You're a cutie. You sure you're only 12? She confirms it again. Acts flattered. You really think so? Then he wants to know about a boyfriend. I don't have a boyfriend. We broke up. Now, she's 12. The conversation shouldn't even be happening. But he's going to try again to groom a little bit more. Oh, breaking up is a bummer. I broke up with my girlfriend a while ago. Yeah, it sucks, she says. Ah, oh, Shinster 7 says. It took a while, but I'm over it now. Then Shinster 7 asks the girl how she's doing now after the breakup. Like, how difficult could a breakup be for a 12-year-old girl? Then he says, if I was 12, I'd ask you out in a heartbeat. You would, she says. Yeah, you're pretty. You love animals. Aw, oh, thank you. Then she says, I probably wouldn't go out with you if you were 12, though, LOL. Really, why? Because guys my age are retards. Well, you know, this is part of the decoy, playing along, seeing how far this is going to go. Again, it should be clear to Thomas Shin that it's just an inappropriate conversation to be having. He goes on to say, I have a very silly side. Again, appealing to a child. I want to ask you, what's the thing you're holding up on a string in the last pick you sent me? It kind of looks like a webcam. She says, it's soap. Soap on a rope, he asks. Yeah, she says. Then he says, did anyone ever tell you that you look like Kirsten Dunst from Spider-Man movies? But I think you're cuter. Here it comes. Here it comes. Then he says, I would love to hang out with you but I'm like 10 years older than you. Yeah, try 24. And play video games, laser tag, and see a cool movie. The decoy says, yeah, that sounds like fun. Shinster 007, yeah, cool. I never went out with someone so young before, he says, but you sound cool, like I could have a fun time with you. I am fun, she says. He goes on to say that he'd like to stick to the chat room for now. But that quickly changes. They talk about food. They talk about maybe him visiting, kissing. It goes on from there. And then he talks about listening to music, maybe going to a concert one day, the kind of music he likes. And then it becomes sexual. I could squeeze the whole bottle of pancake syrup on you, then lick it off. (laughs) She's 12. She says, that'd be really messy, right? And it would tickle. Oh, he's getting excited now. Then I'd have to spread butter all over you, too. God, 12. 12. Talks about being ticklish, tickling her. There's a discussion about him coming over, finally. Him... Saying, I'm saying I would like to kiss for a few hours. I bet your mouth and lips taste like sweet candy. 36 years old, talking to a 12-year-old. Then he says, what if I accidentally touched your boobies? Boobies, is that how a 36-year-old man talks? It is when he's talking to a 12-year-old girl, apparently, trying to seduce her criminally. What if I accidentally touch other areas while tickling and kissing? goes on to say, then I'd probably get a hard-on. They talk about how long it's going to take for him to drive to the house where we're set up. And then, sure enough, Thomas Shin, Shinster 007, after all this talk, all this sexual innuendo, I'll hug you and blow a raspberry on your cute tummy, really shows up at our Stinghouse in Manaloka, New Jersey. And you see him come around from the beachside, And in the video, you can tell it's uh, right on the ocean. And he's wearing this pullover with a hood, the kind that you, you see some beach bums wear out in California. They sell them in Mexico a lot. It's kind of like a cotton weave, black and white type thing. You know, it's kind of hip. He's got his sunglasses on the top of his head. And he walks in and he's got a bag full of gifts. And Casey the decoy, the on-site decoy is right there, lets him in, does a little bit of chit chat. Hey. Hey. How are you? Good. Yeah. Glad you can make it. What you don't see is the fact that he's holding a stuffed animal. That's one of his gifts for this 12 year old girl. It's a koala bear, and the way he's holding it, if you haven't seen the video, it's so creepy because he's moving it like it was a puppet or something. Like the way a regular human being would show their niece or their child a stuffed animal they had purchased for them as a gift, playfully, like twirling it a little bit in his hand right in front of her face and then he says he brought whipped cream and strawberries and chocolate and a cd to listen to he lists all this what'd you bring me (sighs) well i got the strawberries oh perfect and here's a surprise a surprise (laughs) oh thanks (laughs) nothing like toilet bears. yeah thank you (laughs) and i brought a i don't know dvd because there's like some singers on here today Thank you my mic. Oh cool. Yeah. Casey says she's going to go get something to drink. All right, well, I'm going to go get myself something to drink. I'll be right back, okay? okay? All right. So she leaves and that's my cue to come out from the room where I've been watching all of this unfold on a monitor, a series of monitors. So I walk out and he's startled. There's strawberries and whipped cream and chocolates and stuffed animals? Oh, he's got it all going on, don't you? Oh, wow. I I can tell that he sort of gets what's going on. And it's even more disturbing because he knows who I am. And we'll get to that in a second here. He has seen the shows, right? He even referenced the shows in his chat log that he didn't want to get caught on line to catch a predator. And and, and I'm still somewhat shocked that this guy is here for a 12-year-old girl. I don't know why, you know, this was our eighth investigation, seventh or eighth investigation, I think seventh. And he starts to try to explain himself. Like there's nothing wrong with this meeting. He tries to justify it. He says he's a lonely guy. I've heard that excuse before. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. In the chat, he said he was 22. Then he tells me he's 24. Listen to what happens when I call him on again. How old are you? I mean, I'm uh, 24. 24? You sure about that? Uh, yeah, you're probably going to check my ID, right? I'm 36, sir. 36. And how old is the girl you came to visit? I uh, said she was 12 young enough to be your daughter right? you know as I often do I ask you know there aren't people your own age I'm always struggling to understand what this attraction is that some men have for children I know clinically there are definitions I have my own theories as to why it happens but you know what is going on in this guy's head 36 years old handsome guy Good job, well-paid. What's he doing courting a 12-year-old girl? Could be his daughter. Says he's a lonely guy. He's gone on dating sites before. It's too short for some girls. Because he's Asian, he thinks that people might see him as a nerd. I mean, come on. Listen to what he says after that. Why are you even talking to a 12-year-old I'm a Hi. very lonely guy. Lonely guy. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's no, no people your age. I tried different personal sites and it's just like, they never, they think I'm too short or they think like an Asian guy's just going to be like a nerd or a geek. So you figured you'd try another camera? <laughs> what? Well, th- the 12-year-old camera. He then acknowledges that he was wrong. He acknowledges that he's in trouble. But there's no real crushing admission. There's no real sense of him understanding how damaging it would be to violate a 12 year old child. The lifelong impact this could have on a child. And so as docile as he may look, he's a dangerous guy. And you have to wonder, as I always do in these cases, how many other kids has he met? Now, there was nothing in his history, no other criminal charges to indicate he had done this before. But I go back to what the therapists in this world often tell me, which is if he gets caught once, he's offended before. It's very doubtful that every man who's come into one of our investigations saying, this is the first time I've ever done this, is telling the truth. I ask Shinster 007 if he brought condoms with him. And he says, no, no, not this time. If we had a second encounter, a second date, he was going to bring condoms to have sex the next time. And listen to what he says about that possibility shocking, really. Like I told her, I, I wasn't planning on any sex. That's why I didn't bring any condoms. Well, not not this visit. Uh-huh. But what if I hadn't been here and, and, and the 12-year-old girl was here and you all got along uh-huh. and you, you ate the strawberries and uh-huh. sprayed whipped cream on each other and, uh-huh. you know, some clothes came off? What do you think would have happened? Well, to be honest, I mean, not that it's right. I would have just made out. And, just made out. And told her, um... We'll i like, have to wait till next time when I have condoms. Right. Uh-huh. So I tell him he's free to leave. You can listen to the rest. Well, you've seen the show, so you know that I'm Chris Hansen. Right. And if there's anything else you'd like to tell us, now would be a good time. If not, you know you can take your stuff and go right out the door you came in. Police, hands up. up. He's arrested without incident, his hands in the air, almost like He knows the routine because he's watched the show. Thomas Shin was sentenced to lifetime parole and lifetime registration as a sex offender. While on parole, he could face three to five years in prison if he commits a new crime or fails to register as a sex offender. If he fails to verify his address annually, he could face up to 18 months in prison. So far, we can find no record of him offending again. He did lose his job at the New Jersey courthouse. But at least parents will be aware and notified if this person, now 50, is in their area. Because there's nothing to indicate that a guy like him would change his ways or suddenly wake up one day and not be attracted to children. Thomas Shin, the lonely guy who brought a bag of gifts to someone he thought was a 12-year-old girl, is the exact kind of predator you need to fear most, I think, in some ways. It's the stranger who has the ability to groom, who has the ability to gain the confidence of a child. And that is why these conversations have to take place between parents and children at a very early age, the age they first have access to the internet. And remember, this took place some 15 years ago, this particular investigation, and the number of social media platforms upon which a child can be approached by a predator has literally exploded. So this kind of approach can take place at any given time on any one of these platforms. And it switches quickly to the smartphone. And before you know it, a guy like Thomas Shin is at your front door or back door with a bag of gifts, chocolates, whipped cream, and a stuffed animal. And that is why Shinster 007 is the focus of this episode of Predators I've Caught. I'm Chris Hansen. Before we leave you... In this episode, I have a couple of things I wanna update you on. You may recall an earlier episode on Dr. Maurice Wolin. He was the fellow we caught in Petaluma, California, trying to meet a 13 year old girl for sex. Dr. Wolin had a very big job working for a company that was at the time at the cutting edge of cancer research. He had a good career until he surfaced in our investigation. He was the one who spilled the, the drink on the bar in the backyard of our stinghouse in Petaluma. And before I could get a chance to talk to him, he ran into the garage where he was arrested by police, threw his phone, his keys, his glasses on the ground, called his wife. We recorded his part of the conversation saying, meet me at the Sonoma County Jail, bring $30,000, but not the kids, two daughters. We reported at the time of our episode on Dr. Wolin that he had passed away. He had died at 62 years old. A YouTuber recently obtained the actual coroner's report from California where he lived. And it's very telling and and disturbing for a lot of different reasons. Wolin, as it turns out, in January of this year hanged himself using a belt. His wife, also a noted physician, who had stuck with him all these years, apparently found him hanging, called authorities. They came, tried to resuscitate him. It was too late. He was dead. The wife also told investigators that they had an argument the night before. Wolin was drunk. He was expressing suicidal ideations, they say in the report. I feel horrible that anybody commits suicide, that life gets so bad that they would take their own life. But I understand why somebody caught doing something like this would act that way. What I don't understand is how somebody with so much going on in their lives could act this way. And maybe somebody can help me out with this. Maybe we can get somebody on this podcast to, to help me understand it. And we will reach out to people to do so. Here's a guy who got married to his wife 10 years before he serviced in our investigation. They had it all. You look at the wedding announcement, they got married on the West Coast, honeymooned in Hawaii, had two children, both incredible careers. She was also an oncologist, and God bless her for sticking with him to the very end. I don't pretend to know anything about their relationship, and I certainly don't know at all about why he ended up in this predicament. But my thoughts and prayers do go out to Woolen's wife and his children, and I hope they're at peace. As you know. We um, ask you, our podcast listeners, to check in with your questions. And here is this week's question. Hi, Chris Hansen. I'm Diego, and I'm from San Antonio, Texas. And I'm leaving you this message so I could ask what you think about people following in your footsteps as far as catching predators online online. Uh, Some of them, from what I know, don't go about it the same way as you do, uh, but they still get a job done where they get people arrested. Thank you, Diego, for that question. And it's a good one. I do not embrace content creators or YouTubers or anybody on social media going out to be vigilantes. I know people do it. People approach me all the time to be a part of it. I'm Doing my own predator investigations. And as I've mentioned here, we'll know very soon where the next series is going to air on television. And we'll do a version here and, and also on the YouTube channel. I have a seat with Chris Hansen. The problem with vigilantes doing this kind of work is it's unregulated at every level. Oftentimes it's motivated by profit and clicks. And the reality is, that because there's no law enforcement involvement, they are very difficult cases to prosecute. And it harms law enforcement. Recently, I spoke at CrimeCon, along with a, a member of the Ohio ICAC, Internet Crimes Against Children, who made it very clear that vigilantes who go on social media and try to sting predators create a headache for legitimate law enforcement. When I do it, I do it along with law enforcement, obviously with perverted justice. We knew who the decoys were. They work closely with law enforcement. And it's a blurred line. And while the media never wants to be a tool of law enforcement, nor does law enforcement want to be a tool of the media, it's the only socially responsible way to do these investigations. And so I do not encourage, I do not condone I think it can cause more harm than good. And Diego, I hope that answers your question. In the meantime, if you have a question for me, reach out at chris at predatorpodcast.com. I'm Chris Hansen. And this has been Predators I've Caught.